Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Creanitators. I'm Dave Using, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. You are listening today to an interview with creator Mike Berry. We're going to be talking about his series, Action Tank, with issues and graphic novels coming out from Scout Comics imprint Scoot, which is their all-ages younger readers line. Mike, thanks so much for joining. I'm really excited to have you today to talk about this comic and what you're working on, and I think especially to focus in on uh, you know younger readers and, and kind of this what... I guess what the adults in the room, you know, those of us who are who are quote unquote too old to be reading comics but can't give it up, like to refer to as all ages because it makes us feel better. But like you're you're decidedly writing kids comics. So I'm I'm definitely um excited to talk to you about, you know, that being a bit different than my usual type of creator and, and thing I would read. Before we, you know, get to the work, I want to ask you, um, where are you at in terms of like, and you don't have to share more personal details than you want, but in terms of like, you know, your own kids and, and just your own personal, uh, like family or, or, you know, young people connections that made you want to create for this audience. Uh, yeah, well, uh, firstly, thanks for having me on Dave, uh, really enjoy your show. So, um, thank you. Yeah. I've, I've got, uh, I've got two boys under 10, um, and they, really love having stories read to them. So mm-hmm. ever since they were ever since they were really little, um, my eldest in particular used to take like six or seven stories before he would agree to go to sleep really, or yeah. sometimes just go yeah. to sleep. <laughs> um, so, you know, I've always loved making comics and um, reading comics, obviously, um, but I'd never really considered doing it like for real, I think until about three years into my first son's life when, you know, I did the maths. I think I'd read about um, 20,000 bedtime stories at that point. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and I was, it was really clear to me <clears throat> what resonated with him and what didn't. And mm-hmm. also what resonated with me as a reader, you know, um, the one having to read it. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so I guess I just started to get a new insight on stories for children, which I'd honestly never really thought about that much before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it got to the point where, you know, I have a, a massive shrine of graphic novels um, in my uh, living room and, you know, uh, my kids are out here looking at it going, oh, can we read that one? And I was like, yeah. absolutely not. <laughs> can we read that one? No, definitely not. Um, maybe when you're 18. You know, so yeah. um, I'm looking at all these masterpieces of the medium, none of which are appropriate for them. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that's where I thought, I would really love to make something, firstly, that I know they would love. Uh, Secondly, that um, someone like me could actually enjoy reading initially. You know, obviously the goal is for the kids to read it themselves, but um, there are times, even now, you know, my son's almost 10 and he still likes having stories read to him. He can read, but, um, you know, it's a a nice sort of experience too for a a parent and child. So, um, and I really wanted them to get into comics and, and, you know, I wanted to make something that... um, I guess the process of making it for me was just as satisfying as it would be for the kids reading it. So, Mm. you know, um, I sort of, I've I've worked out over the years that I actually follow creators and I read comics um, to enjoy the story, but also to try and um, study what's being done in terms of how it's being made and how the form's being used. So I really wanted to make something for kids that um, tested out all the, all the things you can do in comics, um, not just a basic sort of panel, 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 but like 
you know, how does page layout affect the reading rhythm and yeah. know, how do you use um, every page as a, as a page turner, as a cliffhanger sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I guess I just really used it as a way to do my first long form work because before that I'd just done short stuff, um, but also to try and do it with a really specific audience in mind, you know. My kids yeah. have to be able to read this or at least have it read to them. And, um, but I don't want it to feel like they're missing out on the best parts of the story. You know, sometimes there's like the, uh, you know, there's like the Spider-Man Adventures comic or something that sort of feels like this is a version of a story that has been watered down for a kid or it's just sort of mm -hmm. no one's really treating it seriously. Yeah, I mean, they don't all seem like that, but some of them do. And I just wanted it to seem like I'm really treating this seriously, you know. Yeah. It's, it's for you. It's made for you first as a kid. Um, it's not made for anyone else. So, and I've, I've really done my best with it, I think is the idea. So. Nice. Nice. That's funny that you referenced the Spider-Man adventures. I had an experience. Um, I have three young boys now, but before I had kids, we were visiting, um, some friends and we were kind of babysitting their kids, my wife and I, and that was one of the books they had was like a Spider-Man adventures. <laughs> and I, I distinctly remember reading it to him and thinking like, Oh, this is a not as good Stan and Steve <laughs> version. I'm like, I would actually rather just like read the comic to you and do voices and stuff. And like, it would probably be just as fun. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely hear what you're saying in terms of crap like I, to me that's kind of the holy grail of storytelling is something that is like truly all ages where uh you know you get enjoyment out of it as as an adult as a kid uh wherever kind of you're at on, on certain levels and i do think you know it's it's funny you reference like reading thousands and thousands of stories like as <laughs> like who like who has better storytelling almost like experience than parents where you're just in that rhythm of like if i have to read Cat in the Hat one more time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm going to lose it, you know? <laughs> oh, there are so many books that I have hidden because I just don't want to read them again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then there are other ones that I'm always suggesting, oh, what about this one again? How about this one, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, you may, you yeah. get your favorites, totally. Um, yeah. That's amazing. So, all right, so that's, <laughs> so that's kind of the inspiration for uh, the audience and kind of the targeting. What was what was sort of your inspiration for Action Tank as a concept? And I guess just for listeners who don't know what it is, you know, how would you describe and define it? Yeah, well, Action Tank's the story of a boy who finds himself on the other side of the solar system, and he has to get home in time for his mum's spaghetti carbonara. So um, I think what I was going for there was a story that was both huge and small at the same time, you know? Yeah. So um, seemingly very low stakes trying to get home for dinner. Right. But um, a mammoth task to do it. You know, he actually, the, the boy opens his eyes and he's on Pluto. So he's as far away from earth as you can get in our solar system. So uh, he's got a bit of a journey ahead. Um, so that's kind of the concept. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I think, it's funny because I, I guess the main character, who's just called the boy, mm. um, he's kind of inspired by the spirit of my kids, I guess. But, I mean, it, it, he doesn't represent them, but I think um, there's a lot about him that has come directly from things they say or attitudes they have or whatever. Sure. Um, and, yeah, and then he quickly finds someone who may or may not be helping him get home. Um, which is Rex Quatricorn. So that's a mysterious talking unicorn guy, but he actually has four horns and an eye patch and, you know, so. Um, and, yeah, just what I really wanted to explore was the relationship between them, you know, two very different ages, stages, backgrounds, 
um, worldviews and um, sort of explore that uh, developing friendship and sort of what what it means for both of them. Um, yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. What What are your comics influences? You know, you said you're a big reader and obviously there are, you know, the, the more mature readers type stuff that you wouldn't let the younger kids read. What are, <laughs> what are your influences growing up and kind of what have you tried to channel into, into this work? Uh, definitely growing up, I read a lot of Tintin and a lot of Asterix um, and a lot of Marvel comics. So um, my experience with Marvel comics, because I, as you can probably tell, I live in Australia. My accent um, <laughs> yep. is a little bit different to yours. Uh, my experience with comics was we had to find them at newsagents or um, the newsstand. or uh, And my brother and I loved them. And often the, the time we got the best ones was when we were at the airport, maybe going interstate or something like that. And they had yeah. really big news agencies there um, on newsstands. And um, we'd buy like five or six Avengers comics or, you know, and they'd obviously been on the racks for like months because, you, <laughs> you know, um, and we, you know, we would sort of stock up then and then we'd read them like for the next year, you know, yeah. over and over. Um, and I just loved, what I loved about those was feeling like you're just dropping into the middle of something. Like there's been 65 issues leading up to this. I don't have any of them, but I can kind of work it out. You know, it's mm -hmm. a, it's like, well, okay, he hates him and uh, she's got a real problem with that guy and, you know, and ultimately that guy's powers is this and, you know, and it's sort of a bit, I mean, as I got older, got older I realised that's just a bit like life, you know, you're always arriving late to life. You've always got to piece it together. And so um, then, then as I got older, I noticed that that was an approach that a lot of the better comic storytellers were actually taking. They're sort of, they're not spoon feeding you every bit of info. They're allowing you to join the dots a bit in your head, you know? Um, so I think I, I dropped out of comics in the early nineties when I was spending, you know, $200 on <laughs> some awesome looking image comics, but I just, you know, I realized I feel like I'm getting dumber reading these, you know, is sort of how I felt, um, <laughs> yeah. which is a bit, it's a bit unfair to be honest, cause it was, it's kind of the time period, but, and not all of them were like that, but um, yeah. And then I, I came back in when someone gave me um, the dark Knight strikes again, Frank Miller's mm -hmm. um, sequel to Dark Knight Returns. Mm. And um, I literally hadn't read comics for like 10 years or something. And yep. I was like, oh, wow, this is quite cool. Like it was trying to do a lot of things, you know. Yeah. And I was a lot older and I'd been, I was working in advertising. So I'm learning I and much more able to, um, I guess, explore what was happening from a storytelling point of view. Um, and so that started me on a journey of discovering, you know, um, the work of uh, early work of Brian Bendis and mm. um, then uh, Matt Fraction. And uh, I started to see some Warren Ellis stuff. And then I think I, my tastes just keep developing, but I'm, I'm really looking at very interesting creators now. So I'm um, kind of obsessed with Jonathan Hickman. I think he um, mm. he's a great storyteller, but, I, but he... Uh, thinks a lot from what I can tell about the actual design of the page, which yeah. is what comics have that no one else, nothing else has, you know, is the fact that it, like, you know, if, I have a friend who's a novelist and um, she basically has to work towards the end of every chapter. That's her big moment, the end of every chapter, right? Whereas in a comic, it's the end of every page, <laughs> you yeah. know, like you've got heaps of reasons to keep people going. And I think, uh, yeah, when I saw some of, Hickman's early work like Pax Romana and 
nightly news, which sort of to me came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, you know, they're very, they're as much a piece of design as they are a piece of comic art. And right. that was right in my skill set. So um, I've, I've sort of taken a few cues from that as I've developed my work, I guess. That's interesting. Yeah, I would not have made a Hickman comparison on my own, but in Action Tank, there's a lot of pretty inventive design. You know, you were talking about using the form of comics and keeping it so it's a a lighter story that children can read, um, but also like exposing them, I guess, suppose to the elements of what this medium can do. And I, I was a little surprised by that just because of, you know, what the audience intention is. It, it would be easy to structure, you know, splash page with two two balloons of dialogue on most pages or you know three panels right but there's some stuff where like the the panel layouts are fracturing on top of one another right and there's sort of there's and then there's like um you know informational pages when you get to the action tank suit and i was like oh this is like i'm like i don't know if i can even read this much i don't know if i, when I was seven <laughs> so you know so there's some experimentation there which is which is cool i think it makes it um a lot more interesting as a work, uh, were there, as you were going through this, you know, this is your longest form work you've said, uh, what were the, what were the hardest elements for you to, to nail down? Uh, I think trying to keep the scope contained, you know, once I, um, hit on this concept, uh, that basically he's traveling across the entire solar system. I mean, that could be an enormous story, you know, and, um, so yeah, the, this first, the first volume is, um, it's about a hundred pages. Um, it probably takes you or I about 20 minutes to read, but it'll probably take a kid of various ages. I mean, and, and you're right, there's sort of some more slightly more challenging stuff in there, um, which is, you know, cause I'm not actually aiming at the seven year old. I'm probably really aiming the sweet spot is about the nine or the 10 year old, yeah. um, where the seven and eight year old can either rise to the challenge or their parents can help them or the um you know the 11 and 12 year old it's kind of a more easy read but it's still meant to be it's not meant to feel like it's writing down to them at all it's meant to feel like um i mean that's kind of yeah classic marketing principle is if you want to sell something to an eight-year-old um make it seem like it's for a 14 year old you know that's right, yeah like eight-year-olds don't want stuff for eight-year-olds you know <laughs> and i think that's where it comes back to those spider-man adventures books and stuff you know if it feels like it's for kids then kids are like well maybe you know Mm -hmm. Whereas if it feels like it's a little beyond them, they sort of want to reach for it, you know? Um, yeah. So, and, and, you know, I, I guess I just wanted to be, yeah, like I said, as invested in the work as the person reading it would be. So, um, you know, I guess I, I think about making comics as really the two elements of moments and momentum, mm -hmm. you know, so uh, a panel is a moment. And then the, the way those panels work together is about momentum. So um, there's, and there's so many ways you can play with that, that speed and the rhythm and the timing and the reveals, you know? So yeah, I just really wanted to explore that. And so, yeah, the first volume is a hundred pages. The second volume is 256 pages. So, um, so that's, that's not coming out for a while yet, but um, yeah, that, that's, uh, I just keep ramping it up basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite a bit larger. What, um, what is it, I guess, what determined, uh, you know, the expansion of the length for the second volume? Is it just some of the success of the first one and the fact that you have the opportunity now, or was that kind of always the, the dream? Uh, yeah, I think I had a big story in mind and 
to be honest with the first one, so yeah, I guess the sorry, the quick back background of how this book's been made is that um I I made the first one um while I was working in advertising and I uh I ran a Kickstarter crowdfunding campaign because I I'd sort of made it like I said so that my kids would have something to read and by the time I'd made it I was like, well, I've gone to all this trouble, I might as well <laughs> print a few of them. So yeah. then I ran I ran a Kickstarter which um to be honest, I was surprised at how well that performed. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe there really is a market for this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I printed a 1,000 of those, which I then started selling at conventions and stocking in school libraries and doing school visits and all sorts. And, you know, it just sort of opened up this whole new life for me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, but, yeah, I had really cut that first volume off at a good point, but there was so much more to say. And so then I thought, well... You know, I think about things like Harry Potter where you read the first one and you're like, oh, yeah, that was kind of cute, you know, and then you read the second one and you're like, okay, something's good. And, you know, it's it really, it's kind of like the, as a reader, you're kind of growing up with Harry, you know what I mean? The right. books get a little more complex, the language gets a little more complex, the right. themes get a bit heavier. And so I guess I wanted to do that. So my second book is, um, it's still it's still definitely made for kids, but it's sort of ramping up the stakes it's ramping up the themes it's um and it's just a bit longer and it's it's a much more i would say satisfying read for a slightly older kid as well mm. um and again yeah for a parent so uh, so who knows what the third the third one might be uh like encyclopedia length we'll have to see uh, hopefully yeah. not but <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome what's uh so you know you self published you're running through kickstarter and the the crowdfunding scene for this first volume um, what were some of the highlights or kind of like, you know, things you, w- like, what are the things you wish you had known for this experience, which is pretty unique in terms of, you said it was a thousand copies, getting this first a thousand copies printed and now, you know, kind of out in the world. Well, I think I was pretty lucky. There's, I mean, there's some great resources out there for self-publishers and people wanting to do Kickstarter. So, um, I'm really glad I found some of those. If I'd gone in blind, I don't know what would have happened, but, um, yeah. I was very well prepared, more prepared than I realized, I think, because, um, you know, I love podcasts. I love I love sort of uh, learning that way. And um, so the Comics Launch podcast is pretty amazing. I listened to about 85 episodes. <laughs> I felt like I couldn't have known any more. So I just I gave it my best shot. And, um, yeah, it sort of really, really paid off. I mean, I think the the highlight has been the whole unfolding story for me because it started as like a little, like I said, a little project for my kids. It's now, you know, I'm on my second run of self-published first volume now. So I've two and a half thousand of those have been printed and I'm working through that. Um, I then kickstarted the second volume, which uh, I've got 1500 of those, which I'm working through as well. So, and then of course, um, Scout Comics started their scoot line and, um, you know, I guess I had the I had this work, which was, to be honest, the distribution of my work so far has been almost within where I can drive at my house here, right? So yeah. Um, yeah. it's very small area in Australia, but you know, there's there's been a great reception to it. So when I saw Scoot launch, and their goals were really aligned to mine, because um, yeah, before that I hadn't really thought of working with a big, bigger publisher. I just you know I'd spoken to children's publishers here in Australia. Um, but I think they didn't really know what to do with a graphic novel. They were just looking at the production of it and freaking out a bit. Um, mm. Whereas, you know, Scoot is when they launched, which was only, yeah, only a little while ago, 
um, and I saw their goals. I was like, wow, this this could really work. So I, I sent a submission in and, yeah, really hit it off with those guys and they're, um, yeah, they're amazing. And so they're, they're going to take this work and um, kind of share it with the world, you know, which I'm really excited about. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's it's been a really exciting sort of journey for me. Nice. So what's the what's the process been like aligning with a publisher now? So you have these graphic novels, you know, of Action Tank, which uh, if I'm can can people buy those digitally through Big Cartel currently, like read the whole story, or is it only the full print run um, that you have kind of in your local area? Yeah, I have um, I have pretty uh, pretty awesome PDFs of both of them, um, which okay, you can right. buy through my you can buy that through my um, my online store. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure Scoot's going to be putting those out on, uh, Comixology as well and selling them direct yeah. through their, their channels as well. So, um, yeah, and I've, I've kind of made it, I've kind of made it so it's great for reading on a screen as well. So generally I, in my PDFs and stuff, I would serve it up as a double page. Yeah. Um, because I use a lot of, I use a lot of double page work. In, in this, like a lot of splashes and a lot of flows from left to right and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, when you're reading a, on an iPad and you have to keep turning it horizontal, then vertical, then horizontal, you know, I just thought it's, it's too hard for a grown-up, let alone a kid. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, generally it's sort of this widescreen format. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, that's smart, I think, to make it more available digitally. Obviously, that's uh, that's increasing and that's, you know, that's how I read it. So it helps out. Um, okay, cool. So when when Scoot publishes it, they'll make the full graphic novels that are out available via Comixology, which will help people out. Um, and we'll include links here in the show notes so people can check out the content that's available currently. Uh, but then, so there will there be a print run as well? And I guess if so, what would that look like? Will it be just the graphic novels or are you actually segmenting it into like issue length um, within comic shops? Well, that's another really cool thing about Scout is their approach to publishing strategy. So um, what we're actually doing is releasing an issue one, which yeah. is 28 pages, um, which is pretty much the first 28 pages of the graphic novel. But I've I've adapted the end of it um, and I've added in like a Q&A with myself and that like it's kind of meant to be just a, and it's only two dollars. It's a dollar ninety nine. Right. Yeah. So um uh, yeah, you're a parent, like, you know, you go into the comic shop and, gee, you'd love to buy your kids a comic, but, like, what are you going to get them, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you're sort of in there for you no, and you're, like, they're, they're like, going, can we go? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So this is, like, what I love about this is, so there'll be an issue one and that's all that's coming out as a comic is issue one. It's basically an intro to the series. So that's coming out um, cool. kind of mid-August. It's $1.99. It's designed so that parents can... Um, or even kids who've saved up a whole two dollars, you know, can buy something that is, you know, pretty satisfying as an issue one, but is a definitely an intro into the bigger story, which is then being released um, in December. So the first, the first twenty-eight pages come out in August. It's really cheap. It's meant to be like a, yeah, an intro to the world and to the story, and and then the full graphic novel drops in December, and then I think it goes through. Um, Simon and Schuster distribution in January as well. So, um, and then the idea is that a year later we drop the second one, which mm -hmm. is like I said, a lot longer. And then uh, ideally a year after that, the third one, which I'm still still working on now. So, um, cool. yeah, it's 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 really cool. And I think you know the idea of this dollar ninety nine issue one, it'll never be out of date. You know, a lot of comics you bring them out and they they live for a month and then they're kind of 
like back issues or they're not obsolete, right. but they're, they're, you're behind. Whereas you're never going to be behind with this. It's always, it's something that could always be available because it's always an intro to the graphic novel, which will always be available, which, you know, so I really love that strategy. Nice. Nice. That's cool. Is the, you're working third, you said, is that the intended conclusion or wait and see? Uh, yeah, I always intended it to be the conclusion. Um, I, I mean, I, as long as I can keep it to a reasonable length, then yes. I mean, I'm about halfway through thumbnailing it out at the moment. Um, and like, I, I'm really happy with the story, but yeah, it's, to me, it's about, um, keeping it tight. You know, I just don't want to expand it yeah. for no, I want it to be a, a tight, satisfying read, but still really, um, yeah, it's gotta be a good conclusion. I think there's been, um, with the, the release of the second book here in Australia, I've sort of got, um, a fair bit of uh, unexpected recognition and sort of literary nominations, things like that, which, you know, um, definitely weren't in my initial expectations. So um, it just heaps pressure on book three. <laughs> but, you know, I love sure, a bit of pressure. Sure. <laughs> Good pressure to have, I imagine. I thought it was interesting, you know, when you're on your website there, um, you're putting together like teachers and study guide prep uh, for acting too. And you kind of talked earlier about, you know, the thing involving you distributing like within your kind of local network um what inspired that and and how did you approach kind of getting the work into schools and i guess uh you know in addition to that like how how receptive were schools in terms of like taking this self-published you know young readers book well i'm really lucky i married very well so i have a um very smart strategic wife who's not afraid to promote me <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. And she, yeah, she's great. I mean, she got in touch with all the library distributors in Australia. Uh, she got in touch with Scholastic, uh, who run a giant um, sort of library subscription service. And, um, you know, so they, I mean, they ordered 500 of book two before I'd even printed them, which was pretty good. Um, and as part of that, they said, could you put some teacher's notes together? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Yes. So, you know, I think it's, and I've done a lot of school visits to try and sell the book as well. Uh, and so I, I've developed workshops and, you know, so just, I guess doing it, you just get to know people and they introduce you to people and, and they become your advocates, you know, like if you have a good experience with a school or with, um, a library or with a group of kids, you know, it's incredible that word of mouth. And, you know, they tell their friends or their peers and uh, it just keeps opening up new opportunities. And I think, yeah, um, yeah, having a having a savvy wife definitely helps as well. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, no, that's really cool. I, I think that's that makes a lot of sense. The other thing I thought was was unique and, and pretty cool was you run comic making workshops with uh, both kids and like corporations like as a as a side gig. Um, where did that idea come from? And is that. I guess, how does that tie into like your advertising history? Like, is that like, have you run seminars in the past or, you know, that sort of thing? Um, or is it like, where did you get the inspiration to do these comic making workshops? Yeah. Well, when I was in advertising full time, uh, <clears throat> which was about a 15 year career, uh, mm. I was in the creative department, but I ended up being, um, being a creative director, which means you, um, you guide a team as they develop work. But then most of my role was about, presenting, uh, working with the clients to get them excited about the ideas, to sort of take them through strategy, that sort of thing. So I actually really love that context. I love being in a 
a room with people and I've got a story to tell them and I want to get them on board and, you know, sort of working with them. And um, it was kind of my favourite part of that job. Uh, so when I stopped doing that as much, I really wanted to keep doing that part if I could. And mm-hmm. um, the comic making workshops for kids was um, just <laughs> an idea. Again, I think my wife had it when uh, we went, we approached our first bookstore and said, oh, would you like to stock my book? You know, <laughs> and they're like, okay, yeah, we'll take, we'll take, you know, 25, but uh, could you come and run a workshop on a Saturday? And, um, oh. and Jen's like, yeah, of course he can. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. But I'm glad, I'm glad she did it because, you know, you develop a workshop once, you can then use it in every bookstore and, you know, every school. And um, and then it got to the point where, you know, I, w- I did one in a school and uh, one of the parents said, oh, you know what, I, I've got to run a, a corporate day. For, like I work at one of the big banks in Australia and I've got to run yeah. a, a whole day off-site for the team and I have no idea what to do. Uh, do you think you could do this for them? And I was like, you bet. And here is how much it would cost, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think that's where, and it's something that is so different and so disarming for a corporate environment, you know, yeah. to actually make, but, but it, it is so relevant to what they're doing. I mean, every business is trying to tell a story, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. making comics, there is no clearer way to explain storytelling than looking at comics. You know, because it's you're breaking down individual moment, like it's the release of information. This panel, then this panel, then this panel, and mm-hmm. um, so I found it's not that hard to make it relevant to a corporate setting. Um, and you don't have to do that much. Like just showing them how to make a comic, they can join the dots for themselves about what they can learn from this and how they can apply it to their work. Sure, um, right. And it's yeah, it's it's fun for me because I get to actually talk to grown ups for a change. Um, but it's also you know reasonably lucrative i guess um and keeps keeps me in that sort of corporate world which i, I don't miss that much but uh, it is nice to keep a foot in it occasionally dip your toes every once in a while oh that's, yeah that's you really know. cool yeah no i work in uh, advertising as well here in, in the chicago area and yeah if we had a you know a comic making workshop i'd be signing up immediately <laughs> that sounds great <laughs> but you're spot on like those elements of storytelling like that's absolutely how advertisers talk and you know the creative folks especially um but it's but it's so much easier said than done because that's you right. know a lot of you can get very especially when you get in the client corporate side you know they can get very stuck in what uh what communications and buzzwords you know they're talking about all the time as opposed to stories that actually resonate with with human beings <laughs> oh yeah and you know the the thing that um the thing that i think is the biggest challenge for them is you know a, a, a company trying to tell their story to the world they you know a good story has ups and downs you know mm-hmm. but mm. uh, a company only wants to tell the ups you know and it's yeah. just not a good it's just not a good story <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know you need a problem you need an obstacle you need a, something to solve something to overcome and i think allowing them to even experiment in that space. Like they're just terrified to even talk about it. It's crazy, you mm-hmm. know, but mm-hmm. if they, I mean, it's not crazy. I understand it, but um, you know, once they start thinking that way, they realize that the best stories do have ups and downs and then ups again, you know, um, you got to go down to come up, I think is the, um, yeah, the thing they take away from it a lot of the time. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's a good point. Like when you're too, it's funny because even as a reader even now you know i've read a gazillion comics and there's still that moment of like 
I don't want anything bad to happen to Peter Parker. That's right. <laughs> I, I want him to be fine, <laughs> but that's just not how it works. And it wouldn't be enjoyable if it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you want the bad thing to happen so that you can see and get out of it, you know? Right. Um, right. But if life's just going along great, it's like, cool. Well, <laughs> good <Nope>. for him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Cool. So what is, what's next for you? Uh, is there anything in addition to what you've shared so far, as far as uh, what's coming? Uh, well, my primary focus at the moment is working on Action Tank and working with <clears throat> Scout to, um, you know, do as much as I can to help with the launches of the different books. Yeah. Um, I do have some other projects on the boil, I guess. Nothing nothing that's public yet. But, um, yeah, I, I think the great thing about a project like Action Tank is it's, um, you know, it's pitched so clearly at that 7 to 12-year-old audience that, um, you know, there's there's a lot of appetite for good content in that mm -hmm. um, age group. And so, yeah, other opportunities have started to open up for me as well. Um, awesome. Which yeah, is, is very exciting. So maybe one day you'll hear about those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, have you, the, the younger readers market is something that I think over the last couple of years, you know, comics readers are recognizing and realizing is hugely, hugely like untapped to a degree and influential, you know, it's, it's, Oftentimes when those of us who read superhero comics or big two comics are talking about them, we're, th we're talking about comics performance in terms of a Spider-Man and Avengers, when in reality it's like, you know, thousands upon thousands of young adult readers or young readers are reading, you know, a Reina Telgemeier book or, or Dogman, right? And these mm -hmm. books that are just kind of mainstays. Um, what have you seen from, you know, working with kids and, and marketing this book towards younger readers? What have you seen in terms of, the appetite for the medium and kind of the acceptance of graphic novels, as well as just like kind of what's your, what's the pulse of like what this audience is looking for, you know, in, in your experience so far? Well, you know, I, I mean, yeah, if we just talk about Dogman for a sec. So mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you saw, but the latest copy of Dogman just sold over 900,000 copies in four months. Right. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see so, that, but I, I believe it. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, my wife's like, so are we expecting 900,000 sales? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Put that pool in. <laughs> um, but I mean that immediately that tells you the appetite for just that series. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I mean, if I, if I just, yeah, my experience with Dogman was I, you know, I'm ashamed to say I read the first book and I was like, what is this? Like, mm -hmm. this is, you know, and I'll just say what I thought, which was like, it's so rudimentarily drawn. The storytelling is so basic. The concept is so dumb. Like, I just, I don't want my kids to read this. They're going to become stupid, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. But um, then, you know, because my kids are like every other kid, we basically bought every Dogman on the day of its release, right? So we now have 10, 10 Dogman books here, I think. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it's exactly what I was talking about with that Harry Potter concept. Like, um, because the idea, the concept of Dogman is that it's written by two kids, mm -hmm. right? And when you start, they're like six years old. And so it's written in a way that a six-year-old could read and go, I could make this. I totally get, I could make this, you know? And like, mm -hmm. that's what you see is these kids read it and then they start making their own comics, right? Yeah, yeah. But then as you move up through the Dogman books, like, and this is the genius of Dave Pilkey is, um, you know, the themes, the language, the storytelling, like you're starting to see what he's truly capable of, which is obviously a lot. 
<laughs> right? He wasn't he wasn't um, phoning it in with Dogman One. It was strategic, right? It's like yeah. you grow up with Dogman because the you know the last few. I mean, you know, again, I'm not ashamed to say, you know, I think I almost shed a tear in the second last Dogman. I was like, this sure. is so beautiful, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's just it's it's meeting the kids where they're at, right? So. Um, everything about those books um, is clearly made for kids. It wasn't made for me. I didn't get it because it wasn't made for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I think when kids find something that they feel like it's for them but it's not a grown-up talking down to them, it's like someone who gets them has made this for them, you know. They just they love it, right. And yeah. now, you know, parents realise that uh, comics are an incredible gateway to reading, right. Um, kids can sit down and read novels but, um, you know, if you want to relax on a Sunday afternoon, are you going to pick up a novel? A lot of kids will, but a lot more kids are going to pick up something that's visual as well and they can sort of fall into that world a bit more, you know. So, I mean, yeah, I've seen, like I said, I, I was just shocked at the response to my book, but I, but in the other hand, I wasn't because, you know, it was, there's like probably 10 series you can list in that age group and then, then you go, uh, now I can't think of any others, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're talking about books that you and I read, I mean, you could list off 50 books that I haven't read and I could do the same for you, right? It's sure, just endless, right. you know, and that's amazing. Like, wouldn't it be so good if we get to that point with kids' work as well that isn't mm. just like Spider-Man Jr.? <laughs> you know, it's like it's made for them. It's sort of their their entry into the world of comics. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, anything else that you've been uh, that you've been like reading or enjoying lately that you want to promote or anything else on your end that you want to make sure people know about? Oh, well, let's see. Um you know what? You could definitely follow me on Instagram. That would be terrific. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike Barry was here. That's my um, handle there. Uh, I'm sure. on Twitter too and all over the place. But um, in terms of reading, you know, I, I've just reread the um, Matt Fraction, Steve Lieber, Jimmy Olsen series. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I read it in one go this time, which, um, yeah, it's a very impressive piece of work. I mean, it's... It's essentially a, you know, I don't know how many is two hundred five page stories put together, but actually it's one right. big story. It's like, oh right. wow, just the structure of it alone was like flooring me. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Um, I'm reading a great novel as well called uh, Gravity Is the Thing um, by an Australian author called Jacqueline Moriarty. So um, these aren't really for kids. Sorry, I just started thinking about what I'm reading. But um, oh, that's fine. I, I like recommendations <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's um, that's kind of what's keeping me busy at the moment. Awesome, awesome. Well, Mike, this was a pleasure. Uh, it was great talking to you. I'm wishing you all the success with Action Tank, and we'll include links here in the show notes for everybody listening. Um, and of course, you know, uh, be be sharing the work as it's coming out. But yeah, thanks so much for joining, and uh, you know, we'll talk to you later. Thanks so much, Dave.